It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read The She-Hulk Diaries by Marta Acosta, and I read The Ghoul King by Guy Haley. Welcome to Bibliovile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here once again, still recording live. Still recording live. We are 36 weeks pregnant. Uh, Baby boy is still moving a lot, but he is running out of room in there. So sometime in the next four to five weeks, we're going to meet this baby. Yeah, Yeah. we got a plan for maternity leave. Um, But uh, as of right now... Uh, we're still here. I said recording live, which does not make any sense. No, we're technically not recording live. What he means is that we are recording this episode within several days of when we will release it instead of the ones that we have pre-recorded. Yes, but that's not what I meant. I just was saying we're, whatever. This is neither here nor there. It's it's another episode. Fuck it. We'll do it live. (laughs) Um, we are back here once again with two terrible books from the, uh, Iowa City Public Library. This one was a pretty quick turnaround. We're only recording it as late as we are. I got done, I think, record early on the Monday of the second, like the first Monday. I Episodes come out on Tuesday. The very first time there's a Monday, I was done. Finished mine within 24 hours of our trip to the library. Yeah, because you're weird and the book is tiny. Uh, but we we waited to record for quite a while because uh, stuff got in the way. We just had busy nights. I know. So we, we'll, uh, we had a lot going on. So and- I'll have to see if we remember any of it. I think I will. The nice thing about the Ghoul King is that there's not that much to remember. Ah, unlike that walk. (laughs) One time when I was in high school, a a date of mine really wanted to rent that, and I thought it was so terrible. We rented it from Family Video. That places me firmly in time. Um, We rented it from Family Video, and I thought it was so terrible that I found a screw that was sitting around my basement, and I scratched the back of the DVD case so no one could ever use it again. God, you committed vandalism against family video. I'd say that's more. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. I feel like you're trying to phrase this as a public service, but really that was vandalism. Vandalism feels more like you'd have to be on walls or something. This is just ruining property. Oh, okay. That's not vandalism? I know, but it's weird. (laughs) I'm ruining the ability to use the property instead of the prettiness of it. Okay, so... Were you mad because the movie wasn't very good, or were you mad because you thought it was a, in quotes, watch a movie kind of date, but she actually wanted to watch the movie? Uh, no, I just thought it was a terrible movie. <laughs> I think I saw it once, maybe in middle school, but... That's about the right time to see it, to be fair. Yeah. It's emotionally on that level. Well, maybe after we get done recording, we can watch A Walk to Remember. That sounds like something we could do tonight. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, Finn is here, too, and he's all amped up, so... There he is, uh, running around, so we'll find out how (laughs) patient he's willing to be doing this report, but let's hop into it. You got me the She-Hulk Diaries by Marta Acosta. Tell me about that. So, I, so, first of all, we went to pick out our Bibliovile books from last time when I got you the Sweet Potato Queen situation, and I already had that one in hand, and you had the book that I read in hand, and then you found the Ghoul King And you picked it up and you were like, I don't know, Sue, am I going to have to swap this out? 
And I said, well, why don't we just get two? And I walked over to the science fiction section because I had a plan in mind, but I couldn't find the book that I was looking for. But instead I found the She-Hulk Diaries, which I really wished that I had found when we did the theme of like owned properties and I wound up getting you Rogue One, which was a terrible pick. But I wish that I found this one because it looked like it was going to be pretty dumb. Uh, Although it does say on the back, an absolute delight. Uh, But it just seems really silly that, you know, the book is called The She-Hulk Diaries and it is an official Marvel-sanctioned book. And so I hoped that it was going to be not that bad, especially after my... it was uh, going to be bad. Or that it was going to be bad, especially after my sort of failure last week. Somehow, when the Sweet Potato Queens wasn't terrible. Uh, This book is pretty good. Two in a row. This book was pretty good. Uh, This book follows the character of the She-Hulk, mostly in her alter ego, Jennifer Walters, uh, before She-Hulk has become fully sort of... You know how in like the Avengers movies, the Hulk is like, and he's angry and he's unintelligible. But then in Endgame, after the time skip, he is like Bruce Banner as well. Like they've melded into one. So he's like always hulked out, but he's intelligible. Yeah. I believe in the comics, She-Hulk is mostly that second half. Like she is not just a woman version of the Hulk. That's because women are better at, you know, reigning in our emotions and not letting our anger take over. Well, I'm going to make a point about that. But um, in the comics, uh, She-Hulk is a successful like lawyer. Like she does lawyer stuff while being green and huge and stuff. And she's pretty ripped. She's pretty hot. Um, She's kind of like a, in this book, she's especially uh, like just sort of sexy uh, she's a party girl, which is pretty funny. So the majority of She-Hulk uh, would be looking like that. So like, she's, oh dang, yeah, she's like fear boner, Jillian Michaels type stuff. All right. Um, and so in this book, uh, we mostly follow around her alter ego, Jennifer Walters, uh, as she's trying to put her life together because She-Hulk as a party girl as comes up a lot. Uh, and so she got kicked out of the Avengers Mansion uh, because she is basically an embarrassment. Aww. And what this story is about is Jennifer Walters trying to put her life back together while every once in a while becoming She-Hulk. And that's okay. it. There's like no, there's not really massive world threatening stuff. It's like, it kind of feels bad because it's like, what if we wrote comic books but for girls? And so there's like a love interest that she's conflicted over and stuff. Yeah. But it's really well done because what the book is actually about underneath it is a woman uh, trying to be as professional as possible, but everybody only wants her to be this, like... It's basically Jennifer Walters is the e- the superego, and She-Hulk is the id. And so the character we see the entire story through is very professional and very boring and speaks in legalese even when it's not, like, legal yeah. stuff. Like, she, <laughs> she speaks like she's writing a contract uh, and always tries to, like, be on top of her stuff. Meanwhile, She-Hulk, it, like, gets drunk and uh, makes out with men, like, picks them up and makes out with them because she's really tall and, like, is the wild child side to her personality. So it's really about, like, a, a mid-20s woman trying to navigate the professional world while still wanting to be able to cut loose every once in a while and that sort of stuff. Trying to shut down the unprofessional parts of her life, but it's not working. Well, that sounds pretty good. I know. It was. It was pretty good. God damn it, I'm losing my touch. Yeah, um, so uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, Tony Stark is in this as the, the character, or the comic books character, Tony Stark. Uh, he's He actually is never there. They just talk about him a lot. She dated him, and, uh, you know, Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk both fuck. Um, we don't get to see it, but, like, 
it's like the main person she's interested in. She had like a weekend fling with him over time. And so she like she'd be having sex and she Hulk is like a, you know, a sexy character. And so it, it confronts female sexuality in a very good way. And then that's yeah. What a the failure of a library trip. I got you yep. this and Sweet Potato Queens yep, the, at the same time. Yep, and uh, the writing was pretty good as well. Sometimes it, it could flip into... I was a little bit worried because technically it's epistolary. Uh, this is written Ooh, like... Yeah, it's you don't a, tend to love that. It is written like it's a diary, supposedly, but it basically is like, I'm writing down the conversations I remember, so it reads like a novel anyway. Uh, but it was pretty funny. There is one... Uh, side character, she is a best friend who is a hairdresser, um, and she, the hairdresser, is kind of the wild child and talks all about, like, she says OMG and stuff. Yeah. But it is presented as this weird thing that she does, which brings me to this thing that we talked about, uh, we've talked about often is that you don't want your characters to be, like, just good people. because Yeah, you have no to way- make them a little complicated. Yeah, and so the Jennifer Walters character is... Uh, like boring and overly cold and clinical and like she's really hot and does know it, which is kind of good. She like still knows that she's really hot and she has really long legs and stuff. Uh, but sometimes is constantly feeling a little bit like she's the lady who's going to uh, trip over something on the sidewalk and spill her latte in the opening moments of the rom-com, that sort of thing. Which yeah, is not great. A little, a little um, just like overplayed, <clears throat> too much of a caricature. Uh, not even that bad, no. Oh, it's a good book. You're forgetting that part. Um, and so then the hairdresser is, is played as like this, like chill, chill out. Like she's, she's too peppy and stuff. And the writing itself is quite funny. She Hulk is looking for an apartment through most of the uh, book. And she said on the apartment hunting front, I've only seen a few places so far, but I've already, already learned the secret code in New York. Quaint means toilet in the kitchen. (laughs) Cozy can touch opposing bedroom walls with arms outstretched. Fantastic view. Something somewhat recognizable is visible from the roof. Exciting neighborhood above a bar. Uh, up and coming neighborhood next to a methadone clinic. Executive living. Gorgeous, but have to sideline as an international assassin to play for amenities. She is uh, told by her Krav Maga teacher that she could be a sexy international assassin with her skills and legs. And it's kind of, it wasn't super creepy, but it did kind of write like the guy had a boner while he was selling her this. Gross. Which was pretty funny. Uh, pets welcome. Previous tenant was a cat hoarder. <laughs> Gracious living. Duck motif on all tiled surfaces. Oh. Vintage charm. Hot water only available between 11 a.m. and noon. Secure building located in disputed gang turf. And open concept living. No closets or bathroom door. <laughs> so that it, like those sorts of things are just sort that's, of funny. That's pretty good. It's good. Oh, um, one of the things that is great about this is that there's a subplot. Uh, in this book about like, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and say it because you're not going to read it. And neither are our listeners. Victor Von Doom, uh, Dr. Doom okay. from the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, disappeared and it has since reappeared as this other guy he's pretending to be or whatever. But he's trying to clone himself. And one of the failed clones uh, escaped and started uh, tampering with like the science of this like uh, juice place, like a like a smoothie place. Like and- a Jamba Juice? Yes, thank you for reminding me of the name of it. Um, and he's putting stuff into, like, the paper cups and whatnot that, like, boost uh, mood. Okay. And it's all very natural and stuff. And it's so subconscious you don't even... But, like, it's this subplot where everyone in New York is being way too nice. And so she doesn't, like, buy it. And so she's doing the research. And it's really funny because it's very similar to a subplot I did for a NaNoWriMo book. <clears throat> and, oh, yeah. Uh, 
And so she keeps trying to find why, like, what's happening in the background, and Juicy Juice keeps coming up, and everybody's recommending <laughs> her this thing. So it was that was a pretty weird little tie-in. But then it turned out that that was all good and not a problem, because then they confront him. They're like, you can't drug people. Even if it's, like, natural drugs, you still can't drug them. Yeah, you can't so do that without people's yeah, knowledge and or so consent. Yeah, and so then he, he turns it down and ends up dating the hairdresser. But Oh, Dr. Doom ends up dating no, the hairdresser? No, the Dr. Doom clone. Oh, Dr. Doom ends gotta, up going okay, to a different okay. dimension. Oh, good. That happens a lot in Marvel properties. You're assuming? Ah. <laughs> but anyway, that was She-Hulk. It's pretty good. Okay. It's pretty good. Well, yeah. maybe next time I'll do better. You say you have an idea for the finale, and I'm both scared and now kind of doubting you. Well, I'm kind of doubting me, too. But I do have to say... She-Hulk wasn't bad, was actually pretty good. I wouldn't say that the Ghoul King was pretty good, but it wasn't bad. It was short. It was, the, it was really short. It. it was fine. I think this, like... How many total pages was Ghoul King? Uh, Right around 150. Let me look at the exact number. 158 pages. Well, I think so. that is almost... A, that's slightly longer than The Haunted Vagina, so... Oh, that one was like 60 pages. Yeah, but yeah. still, it was The it, Haunted Vagina. Yeah, I was gonna say, it was a pretty dense 60 pages. There was a lot of material there. Uh, but yeah, this is a book about... So, it is set in a, a series called The Dreaming Cities... And I think the series is actually just a collection of novellas. And so, like, the world building is pretty good. And the writing is weird. But once you adjust to it, it's pretty good. And it's just a little slice of something that happens as part of this bigger world. And so it was, like, reading it as a novella is pretty good. Now, I do want to say the man on the cover is covered in chain mail. Yeah. But also has like a messenger, like a bike messenger bag clipped to his front. Yes. He has a gigantic revolver and a sword in his two hands. Yeah. What's going on with the vibe here? So very post-apocalyptic. We are, we spend some time in cities like Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Cleveland. Uh, But after. How do you know if it's post-apocalyptic then? Because it, because we talk about. Oh, (laughs) that's a joke. Uh, because the angels have taken over. Oh, it's like, that's that book. I've read a book like that. I feel like there have definitely been books like this yeah. that we read for Bibliophile before. I don't think any by Guy Haley, so I don't think any in this world. Bye, but, Guy. Uh, I'm just, just to like give you an idea of how this reads, I'm going to read part of page 15. The human mind is so tailored to the provision of the illusion of reality that even in the darkest places a man will see. Jackson was a man in such a dark place, and this is what he saw. The oppressive dark of the Newtown cooker had given way some time since to a vista of scintillating colors. When he did not know, when light goes, time's perception fades. Sanity holds on longer. So it was a rational mind that regarded the view of the plains. It was late spring, just after the rains. Like, very, like, lyrical in the beginning. It settles down very quickly after this. I was worried. I was worried when I read this page. I was like, oh no, am I going to be able to make it through this? But like it settles down quite a bit and like actually just tells the story. Uh, We start out with a character named Jackson. How's it spelled? 
J-A-X-O-N. Wow. Uh, he gets caught plotting against the angels <gasps> with a woman named Rachel and her group called The Seekers title case. In the plots of the, the angels. angels. <laughs> Jackson hooks up with Rachel. No, actually, he does not. He okay. doesn't trust her. Uh, apparently, the angels were sent by God to rule over Earth because humans did a bad job taking care of the Earth. It what? tracks. Uh, there was a man named Quinn uh, who... A doctor named Quinn. ...was trapped performing... In an arena where he had to kill ghouls for an audience, and Rachel and Jackson got him out. Uh, very Thor Ragnarok in that well, particular scene. Well, he was scene. doing so much harm. That's not, you can't make a doctor do harm. Doctor who? Yeah. <laughs> um, Asked you. So, the one thing that was not. Like, the one thing that was very frustrating about this book is that it's, like, a flashback within a flashback within a flashback. So we start with Jackson, who's been imprisoned for plotting with Rachel. He's making his confession to the angels. And then he starts telling the story about how they sprung Quinn out of the arena and then flashback again to when Rachel recruited Jackson by threatening him. Um, gunslinger one stuff it really is yeah so rachel and her group are what they call what the angels call technophiles um they love technology they do and the angels call that sinful science uh and Ooh, jackson i know sensual sinful science Must be like Sib- sibians and um and stuff. <laughs> jackson was recruited to rachel's group because he is a healer um, then we jump back in time again. Wait, does he have powers to be a healer or is he just like a He's doctor? just like trained as a doctor, essentially. Lame. Um, we jump back in time again to Jackson's childhood when he watched the angels take over. They bombed Columbus. They did a ton of damage. There was radiation everywhere. Um, and then like flashing forward again, Rachel and the Seekers are going into old Columbus to get data and technology to be able to cure the radiation sickness and the cancer. I do um, have the idea that it's like, okay, God is tired of humans. Got yeah. it. He needs to kind of reset the earth. He needs to take a firmer hand. Uh, I Solid so far. Okay. Step one, bomb Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Columbus so high in your list? Well. The damn Browns did it again. I don't, like, I think that's just, I think that just happens to be where we are. I think everywhere was bombed, but we just happened to be, for some reason, in. Hey, everybody yeah. that's in Columbus thinks to themselves, we just happened, for some reason, to be in Columbus. Yeah. Don't ask me why. We're just, we're just here, I guess. Um, there are other towns, but we're in Columbus. Uh, yeah, but I guess it, this is just the one where we live. Uh, Jackson is actually, even in such a short book, pretty fully developed as a character. Rachel is questioning him on why, after seeing all the terrible things that the angels have done, why he still has faith in God. He says, well, I believe... it's not faith anymore, really. Well, it's yeah. real. He says, I believe. I have read the Bible. I trust in the words of Jesus. The God I believe in is merciful. All the evil I've seen in my life has been perpetrated by those acting in God's name and not by God himself. Um, so we, we actually get, like, some insight into his thought patterns. Yeah, which some... For- I mean, we just talked about having flawed characters, but this is like a peasant saying, like, well, the czar is really what's great for Russia. It's these damn ministers. 
Well, I mean, for 150 pages, having any insight into our main character's thought pattern is a little surprising. Yeah, that's fair. Uh... There definitely is a gunslinger vibe to this part. So they like sneak into the city. Rachel winds up betraying the rest of the group. Uh, A guy named Philip sacrifices himself so that Quinn and Jackson can get away. They're fighting ghouls. Apparently not good enough. They discover that the angels are not actually angels. They're humans that have been partially taken over by machines. And Rachel is actually becoming one. And that's kind of where we close out the book. So it was just this little snippet of like, they think that they are fighting against the angels, but actually the person leading the fight is becoming one because angels aren't angels. They're actually machines. Yeah, they're actually androids. Androids be so mad about human beings discovering more technology. Because they don't want the they want to be in control of the technology. They don't Typical want the humans to discover the technology. And also, if the humans discover the technology to cure radiation sickness and cancer, then the humans will stop dying. And oh well, we can't have that. Yeah, we can't have that. So that was it. That's book. All right. Well. Yeah. Just. Uh, I don't know. It was fine. It was interesting. Uh, There wasn't really one. The only, the closest thing that I came to an actual ghoul king was when Quinn and Jackson were like fighting their way through the old city. They came across a big pack of ghouls and one of them was really big. So you're telling me that they titled the book, The Fireworks Factory, and then they never got to The Fireworks Factory. It's like the Mystery Science Theater movie Avalanche, where the avalanche doesn't happen until like four minutes before the movie ends. Yeah, that mystery. Yeah. The gauntlet one. Yeah. Rough stuff. Yeah. Terrible. I know. No, it was like in terms of us having to read books, it was a pretty good episode. I feel. In terms of us having to talk about books for a comedy podcast. It was a little tougher of an episode. I feel very guilty because this means that I have not only been more successful in reading bibliophile books than our book club books. Yeah. It also means I've liked them better the past four weeks versus the other I know. Two. We are really struggling not just with, you can hear Finn like crazy now, I bet. Um, not just with bibliophile books, but also with book club books. I yeah, We should switch them around. I actually have thought about there are two book club books that we've gotten or that we've read in the past year that I've thought about giving to you as bibliophile books. Yeah, well. One is called A Thousand Ships. Uh, it was not very good. Awful. Mick, Mick, how did you make it like a tenth of the way through? No, I think I made it like 20% of the way through that one. And then. Because I didn't realize that it wasn't going to matter at all until I was 20% of the way through. Stupid. And then another one was called, it was like a. Wicked or something Yeah, like it was that. a twisted fairy tale young adult book. It was called Stepsister. It was about the ugly stepsisters from uh, Cinderella. And actually, that one was funny because one of our other book club friends quit before you did. She read like the opening pages and was like, no, I'm done. No, her husband finally quit all the way. Oh, she it was him. She, was yeah, quit. okay. Yes, I made it through about 17% of that one and it was just awful. So yeah, maybe we should have read those for Bibliophile instead. No, I'm happy with the way it was because then I didn't have to read them. No, that's fair. All right. All right. Well, Finn's trying to tuck himself in and looks like he needs some help. Over there. <laughs> what a good He's boy. Almost 
tipped the chair several times trying to get underneath his blanket. He has slid part of the couch away from the other part of the couch, and then his foot kept sliding into the gap between the two. He's making himself a little nest. I'm watching in the reflection. This is now what this podcast has become as a play-by-play in our dog, because our dog is <laughs> more interesting so good. than talking about good books. How do, you know, sometimes it's like, there's too many podcasts out there about like, you know, let's watch a bad movie and talk about it, or, uh, but like at the same time, how do you talk about good stuff? I mean- It's like, yeah, I liked it. It's I suppose like, we could do like literary analysis, but I don't really I feel- I did do literary analysis. It's well, the story of the superego versus the id. No, you did. I don't feel like I have a whole lot of literary mm. analysis over the 158 pages of the Ghoul King. Yeah. Books have to be long. Um, I want to go back to really quick when I we talked about- uh, I, was li- I listened to old episodes because I'm very full of myself- I and used also, to listen to old episodes when I used to travel for work because I missed you and I would pretend you were in the car with me. I listen to it because I think I'm really funny. It's like watching a uh, game film. Like, oh yeah, I gotta <laughs> do that again. Gotta interrupt Susan Moore. Taking notes. Um, but I listened back and there's that one, the Society Stalker Problems. That it one was, was bad. It was very bad. But also I was like, yeah, this character's fucked up and like, that's bad. And then I was like, Dickinson, come on. It just wasn't good. It's not bad for a character to suck because that's what, like, you don't no, need to No, but root. that character was, like, couldn't function as a human being yeah. in a way that was unrealistic. So I want to shout out this book for including characters that you are mad at and characters that, like, do bad things, like, are not perfect role models. Like, for instance, Jennifer Walters... Very, I think you would have loved it at the be- at the the part of it. She's mandated to go to like uh, counseling and refuses to like participate in it. And the counselor is basically like, "You are She Hulk, and She Hulk is you. You have to be one person. Like, stop referring to each other as separate things." And she's refusing to take his word for it. But it's very funny because the counselor keeps calling her uh, Jennifer. Yeah, and she keeps saying Miss Walters. Like, my name's Miss Walters. And so the second time they get together, he's like, Jennifer, you need to stop doing this. And she goes, Reen, I don't want to. And he goes, my name is Dr. Whatever. He goes, and so she says, so you understand that referring to you by your first name to try and establish dominance in a conversation or something like that. And so by the end of it, they get along and she calls him Reen and he calls her Jennifer. And then they just leave it to the side. But I thought it was a really, I thought it was both uh good kind of problematic. That's like, no lady, you actually need to take mental health, like professional seriously, but also pretty kind of bomb that she was like, no, I'm not going to let you belittle me in this conversation. It was, was pretty great. Well, I like that. Yeah, and she's really hot, too. I kind of wish this was a comic book so I could look at her. Oh, man. Oh, man. We did promise each other no graphic novels when we first started this whole situation. Yeah. I'm not ready to get rid of that rule yet. Okay, well, the finale's coming up, so. Ugh. All right. Well, maybe next episode will be better, worse. Yeah, know. better for the listener. Worse for us. Yeah. Uh, we do this for you. I have been and will continue to be Susan Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. I am occasionally Mick Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Dickima. The podcast is also on Twitter at Biblio. And the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. You'll be very happy to know Finn has made himself a nest and is now asleep in it and looking very cute. Yeah, Good this, night. This one will be really easy to edit, but the whole hours of RPG real play episodes are really hard to edit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, bye. <laughs>